Okay, lads, how are we doing? So, um, as you've probably seen, that we've changed the name of our um, podcast uh, and we changed it to Mankind. And um, the reason that we did that is that I had all intention that when I, once I got married, that we were um, going to start interviewing men, like for more walks of life um, and to get a bit of a background about men's journeys, what they go through, how they get through it, to really inspire um, a community of men, a movement of men. Uh, to change the way that they think and the, the way that they act. And I know that there are female listeners here as well. So I know that you are going to take some benefit from this as well. So this is for men and women. Um, uh, I've got a guy with me today called Michael Duffy, um, who contacted me. He's an uh, incredible story. Uh, and I thought this would be a really great way to be to open up the new podcast. Michael, what's happening? How you doing? How you doing? All right? I'm good. Thanks, you. I'm great. I'm great. Um, so thank you for reaching out first and foremost to share your story with me. I thought uh, it was an incredible journey. Um, so first of all, I think what would be really great is for you just to introduce yourself to the listeners. Right. OK. Hi, guys. How are you doing? All right. Uh, my name is Michael Duffy. Um, I get in touch with James after watching some of his podcasts and watching some of like, uh, his live in the morning. I thought through the journey that I've been on as a soldier, um, 12, to, sorry, 15 years. Um, I wanted to uh, pass on my story to hopefully inspire people and and see that there is there is that recovery and time is 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 possible. Um, it's it's been a hard journey, no doubt about it, but it, there is a way through. So, Michael, let's take it back to uh, the military. Um, yeah. What made you join the military? For me, it was more, I, I played football and stuff like that, and I, and I was like, I was one of these guys that was outgoing all the time, was outdoors, do, doing loads of stuff all the time out with my friends, and uh, my two grandpas were in the military, and I spoke to him, and my grandpa's stories were, were excellent, I just used to love listening. He was National Service in the 50s, and it was just like, unbelievable uh, life experience. So, things weren't going so well at home. And uh, I said, you know what, 16, like, I'd done okay academically, but I said, you know what, I want to go and try it, at least when I'm older, I can say at least I've done it. And I went there, I went to the careers office, and it was just like a whirlwind, it took me away, and that was it, just like, flown by. So, how old were you when you joined? 16. Wow, 16, young lads, God, I can't mind, it's yeah. a mind. My boy is just about to turn 15, so I can't imagine him in a year from now joining, although I want him to. I do like. I do think it's a great way yeah. for a young lad to be grounded very, very quickly. Um, I mean, yeah. So who did you join? Originally, it was the King's Own Scottish Borderers. Um, obviously, they're, they're disbanded now, but originally, that's, that's where I went. And um, from their phase one, phase two, right through until the amalgamation with the Royal Scots, which then became one Scots. Okay. So, obviously I know, but what what happened with this major event with you in the military that really sort of affected your life? Um, yeah. If you explain to the guys about it, and then kind of like what the initial, um, what the initial process was when it happened in terms of how you dealt with it, uh, uh, you know, yeah. That's kind of like short spawn, but if you go, if you break it down and we and we ask questions right. as we go. I mean, I I joined like just po- prior to nine eleven happened, and then it uh, happened, and then after that, the, the world obviously changed at that point. 
So like, I'd finished training, went straight to Iraq when I was 18, um, went there, and then I'd done like kind of tours, got promoted. I went to Northern Ireland where I was part of the Coast Observation Platoon, worked over there for three years, best best time in my army career, loving it. Uh, after that, it was like we were getting posted to Edinburgh, we were going to become like the four mechanised brigades where obviously like the spearhead, one, one of the spearhead um, uh, brigades to go to Iraq, Afghanistan, whatever. So we built pre- pre-deployment training and I'd end up doing junior breaking, promote it at the Christmas. And that's what I wanted to do. Sex commander was the thing that I wanted to do most. Yeah. I think I was, I think it's the best job in the army. Like, yeah. You're the only guy that really fights the battle with your yeah. guys and everybody else is in support of you. It's your plan. Yeah. So that's what I loved about it. Um, so that had happened, promoted the Christmas, and then we, we knew we were going to Afghanistan. And at that point, I was like, I was buzzing for it because there's a search commander, it's a search commander battle out in Afghanistan, there's no doubt about it. Um, what year was this that you went to Afghan? Sorry? What year did you go to Afghan? Uh, 2012, that was my second tour to Afghanistan. I went 2010 prior. Yeah. And I'd done two tours in Iraq before that as well. Yeah. So... I was like well well versed on it what was what was about to happen. But yeah, part of it, um, I went and joined like I got moved company after I got promoted. I was part of the brigade operations company. Yeah. So we knew it was going to be crunchy. We knew we were going to be getting a, a tough time. But uh, I don't think um, they could have prepared for how hard a time we were going to get. Yeah. But, um and then we deployed to there, and that's obviously where my incident kinda of happened after that. So if let's elaborate on that incident then. So this is a game changer, really, isn't it? So like yeah. if you're happy to take us through, I think it's important yeah. to understand what you went through um before we start talking about that yeah. building up process. Yeah, so obviously deployed where a great company, get Sergeant Major, they all seen up were excellent, just like we were well. I don't think we'd ever trained this hard in my military career for this tour. And I, I put an emphasis on the ID. Obviously, the ID threat was massive, so I put an emphasis on the guys that I worked with, dealing with casualties, and uh, I think that was the biggest thing in my mind, to deal with somebody like, with an ID strike. So we're well prepared. We were out there. We landed, and we, we started off a few operations to get uh, settled into the tour, and everything was going well. As soon as we landed on the ground, though, like we were getting, it was kinetic straight away. We were going for it, and um, so it was about maybe halfway through the tour, we're on an operation we'd been sent in uh, as a screen kind of thing to go and disrupt an area where the Afghan army were working in our area. We were in Nadi Ali in the dashed area. Uh, we were up, up <coughs> in that area kind of doing straight, looking for looking into compounds and looking for Taliban basically just and disrupt, disrupting the area maybe as a screen away from the Afghan army. And um, so we went into a compound, uh, various compounds in the morning searching for guys, a couple of uh, shooting scouts that people kind of shooting as a couple of RPGs going over the top and stuff like that, um, which was obviously normal for us. Yeah. But uh, as we left one of the compounds, we were just like, we got there was vehicles attached to us from the RPGs. So they vehicles pulled up and we were just about to mount up and we got ambushed for like three sides. So it was like one for the front, one to half right, and then they fl- eventually flanked us on the right-hand side. So search commander, you're trying to get your guys like, obviously win the firefight. That's, the first thing, yeah. So when it eventually we were absolutely surrounded, so like try to direct the fight. We had a couple of young guys in the team who were absolutely brilliant. By we just like getting torn right in about it. We even had the medic on the ground; she was going for it. It was just it was chaos. But I felt as if I had control. I had control, and then I remember 
engaging a target to the front. The guy stepped out, it was a doorway. I engaged him. And then I remember turning around saying to one of the guys who was like my two IC at the time, was like, I just hit that guy there. And literally, I just felt a thud on my leg. Looked down in my left leg, which I'd seen, I was like, my left leg had ripped. And I pulled the combats back and looked and I'd been hit. But I was still in good shape at that point. It, it makes it, it makes you sound like, but adrenaline just takes over. So you're yeah, just like, so I was like, been hit. But one of the guys' reactions like, fuck off. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm, I'm genuinely serious. I've been hit. And he looked at me and he, was, he looked at my leg. He's like, you all right? So at that point, I was still all right. I was still in the fight. Yeah. So we're still going for it. What I didn't know is that bullet that had hit my left leg had actually went through my right leg first. Wow. So, so it was like straight through my right leg, straight through my left. So I'm but. In reality, I was still in good shape, and like it sounds nuts, but the mission was still the forefront of the mind. It's yeah. crazy. It was training, right? Like, it's embedded. Yeah. It's embedded, isn't it? Like, of course it is. Of course it is. It's like win the firefight because if you don't win the firefight, people got you. Male people got your hit. So I was still still in good shape. The bleeding was controlled. I was just kind of holding it. I remember holding it with my glove and pushing, putting a bit of pressure on it. But what I was thinking in my mind is like. Shit, I've never trained for this. I've trained for dealing with casualties, but never me. Yeah. You're never trained for dealing for your dealing with yourself. So I was like, so the panic starts to set in a bit. I'm like, right, I'm hit, but I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. So I'm just trying to, and uh, one of the younger guys come round and he looked at me, he's like, you all right? And I was like, I got pure brave face, it's commander face, like looking at him saying I'm good. But in reality, I was like, I'm in shit state here because it was the pain was starting to kick in. But I could feel my legs starting to go a wee bit like jelly. And I was like, kind of stumbled a bit because the muscles were shredded to, to bits in the thighs. Yeah. So I stumbled a bit and I, I went down on my knee to kind of like compose myself. One of the guys came round and he's looking and I was just like, right, how are we getting out of here? And um, the bullets, honestly, it was just like zipping past my faces a lot. It was unbelievable. It was a complex ambush. It was well-trained. They were disguising. They were had a sniper off to a flank, but they were disguising it with machine gun fire. Okay. They were, they were, it was unbelievable, honestly. It was very... You got to take your hat off to them. They were very clever that day. So at that point, I went to my knee. Then the next minute, I just felt another thud right through my spine. But second bullet skipped under my body armor, went through, hit my spine, ricocheted off my spine down through my pelvis, and then came out my hip. So at that point, at that point, I was um, I was in a bit of state because my foot went instantly numb, and my first thought was my foot's been blown off because I thought I'd stepped in something. Like I, 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 an IED had been sitting there. Yeah. And then I looked and I remember saying to one of the boys, take take my fucking boot off. And the boys took my boot off and I remember I'd pristine white socks on and I looked and I was like, there's no blood. My foot's still there. What is going on? So I didn't know I'd been shot in, through the spine, actually. It was just numbness in my foot. And then the boys started to get me up and I was like, listen, I've been hit again and like, they're trying to get me in the back. Is, but it's they put me on a stretcher that a vehicle is like an act of God, honestly. A, a medic armoured ambulance come up with a medic on board with two medics on board they, by rights they shouldn't have been there and it was just like as if God had put them there honestly it was strange right. so they put me on the stretcher they clipped me into the stretcher but as they picked me up the bullets were flying over the top of the stretcher so they managed to get me in the back and the girl in the back she was who I've got in touch with since she was unbelievable so she's patched up my legs and I remember saying she was going to give me morphine and I was like don't fucking give me that morphine. And she thought I was scared of needles. And I was like, no, it's not that. I says, I've got a feeling, I've, I've got a sore back and my hip's sore. So she'd done her head to toe check, never found it, and done it again and looked. 
and then she just like she cut my trousers off at the left hand side and it was a hole honestly like bigger than a, like, the bottom of a cup but it was just a hole with the exit wounds massive the, t- the hole at the back of, on my spine was tiny yeah as you know bullet came out the other side and it was just a massive hole at the other side so she's trying to plug that well, meanwhile I was like starting to panic because I realised I looked down and I realised how, how bad it was so the medic she was like working away trying to call in uh, like, I remember our guys on the ground like trying to get uh, support to us but the other the other uh, multiple of the other section were, were pinned down another compound so they couldn't get this and as you know in the heat of battle anything go- that can go wrong did go wrong so the comms went down so the sergeant major didn't know there was an injury they didn't know there was it so he was like on radio we were in a dead spot we could hear the ICOM chat and the interpreter saying to me, um, the Taliban are saying they know that somebody's injured as soon as the helicopter comes in, they're shooting it down. So I was like, dude, still as a section commander saying to my guys, well, let's fucking move then, let's get somewhere else. Yeah. So they managed to coordinate that and they got me at another part where uh, they were patching me up in the way there. And I remember the journey there, it was like, I couldn't lean on any part of my body because whenever I leaned, it was like bullet wounds. Yeah. It, both legs, my back, my hip, my hip, the lot. So at that point, I'm like, right, I'm dying. This is so, so I resigned myself with the fact, resigned myself with the fact that I was dying. That was that. I, was, I knew I was going to. I thought I'm going to bleed out the way there. I remember getting there, and I, the, we got to an HLS. I get picked off the back of the, 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 the vehicle, and they just started running towards it. And I thought, right, I've got a chance here because I'm getting to the chopper. You know what it's like on the back of the Mertz, unbelievable. It's like a flying hospital. So they got me on board and then I remember the doctor speaking to me on board and he's like, I've got to give you pain relief. But I was like, I fucking don't want pain relief. I just want... I think my thinking behind the pain relief is if you knock me out or you give me something, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I'm going to die. Yeah, Does that so make sense? You, and, and I guess at that point, you're you're not thinking straight anyway, are you? You're like... No, you're not. It's very hard to put into context about that state of mind that you go into when you're like... It's like total self-preservation mode. Yeah, 100%. And you, you just, you're just trying to... Yeah, I I mean, so like you got back to Bastion, went back to Bastion? Yeah. yeah. And then so <clears throat> after that, I mean, that in itself is a... Is a, is a character building yeah. like yeah. situation, do you know what I mean? It's life-changing. Yeah. So what did the injuries like... What happened with the injuries? What happened with your body what, in terms of that recovery? So I was straight into the theatre after that, and then they came out. They'd obviously checked over like, the scans and looked at it. But the bullet that went through my leg, I was quite lucky. The, the, not, the surgeon had came and said to me, the bullet passed passed both arteries in the legs, like millimetres. He's like, he came out and his first words were, put a lottery ticket on. Right? So I was like, and then the other one went in my back. Smashed my spine up a bit. But went down, cracked my pelvis, my thigh bone, and then exited the hip. So it was like, it was pretty bad, but I was like, so my mindset was, so I got injured in the November and I was like, right, by the summer, I'll be good to go. And the doctors and the physios are like, you need to take a reality check here. <laughs> so that was my mindset. I was like, back by the summer, like, it was just that mentality I had at that time where I was like, no, I'm no good. And I felt as if I didn't recover that quick, the Taliban had beat me. It's, it's, it's a military mindset, isn't it? It's, yeah, of course it's, it is. It's a... It's very difficult for people to explain. You're like, like I always say that saying now, always in the fight. Like if you like yeah. you're always in, it's like it's like yeah, just gonna jo- I'm gonna run this one off. Just I'll be I'll be good yeah. to go in six weeks. Let's go. And it, and obviously, 
I, th- I, I think the way that we are trained or when we go through basic training, we're, we're almost trained to be invincible. And like, yeah. that, that's certainly something that I would say, like in Royal Marine training, you would almost say that if you had a green lid on and a, <clears throat> and a lorry smashed into you, yeah. the lorry would yeah. smash around you completely. Yeah, you're yeah. a fortress. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a fortress is a really good word for it. Yeah, and that's the way I felt. I was like, well, I'm, this is not how I'm going out. Like, this is, I've got more to write my story. I was like, so military minded. I wanted, I wanted to promote, and obviously my peers and that were still out there as well. And I was like, well, there's a chance. I was actually saying to my dad when I was in the hospital, I was like, I could maybe get back and finish this tour. And my dad's like, what are you talking about? Like, really think about what you're saying here. Um, and then I was just like, did you go back to Birmingham? Yeah, I was in um, Queen Elizabeth for like five, six weeks, I think. Okay. Recovery in there initially, and then. I get sent up, up to Edinburgh. Well, I was part of a personal recovery unit up there, but I was based it out of my house, so I was going there physio most mornings. Yeah, uh, and that's probably when the battle really started for me. To be honest, um, so are you restricted today in terms of movement, legs, hips? I've got a wee bit. I've got it's called Astrid Dellenberg Gate, so I walk a bit funny. My back. I played football yesterday, and I've, I literally got out of my bed in installments this morning. So, um, it was. I've got difficulties like going upstairs, so I need to hold on to a banister and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But I had to learn to walk again from a, from the scratch from scratch. Yeah. So the way a baby would learn to walk, that's how I did it again. And yeah. then, and I jogged. The first time I jogged, I was like, thought I was a superhero. It was unbelievable. I jogged, and I was like, wow. Uh, don't get me wrong there wasn't it it was no place playing sailing because I used to like go up to the physio and if things weren't happening the way I wanted it to happen I used to throw a hissy fit and start wrecking the place I wrecked the dressing room about three times um, and the physio came in he was amazing with me to be fair he was like so what he done was he's like right he's seen that I'd wrecked the dressing room and he's like right come with me and he took me and he sat me down next to amputees who were all playing sitting volleyball and he said play with them for an hour and I was like, ah, do you know what? I'm a selfish bastard. Do you know that? These guys humbled, are sitting with no legs. Humbled, humbled right away, right? Yeah. And it was very clever the way he did it. He was just yeah. like, sit there and he left me to it. And I'm sitting and these guys were getting on me and just saying, this is, it is what it is. We, we go on. And that inspired me, to be honest. That pushed me on because I, I knew through the recovery it was going to be peaks and valleys. It was going to be, I'm sure I started rocketing really quick for recovery. Then I dipped for a long, long time. Okay. complications, couldn't walk properly, uh, temper tam- tantrums, like thinking of the world. And I think it was, um, you'd say doing one of your things the other day, like uh, the pity party. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, blamed the world. So I used to be like, so nobody in my house, I moved back in with my dad and um, nobody in my house, could, they were all walking in eggshells because I was like, well, I'm, I'm a victim here. I'm, look at me. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like after the incident, how long much? How how much longer did you stay in the military for? Three years. Three years. Recovery did you, thing. Did you did you get MD'd or did you leave voluntarily? Yeah. No, they MD'd me because it came to the, the three years and listen, they didn't have to give me that amount of time. They gave me three years and says, "Well, let's see what we can do." Yeah. And there was times where they thought I was going to recover, and then it was just too much. The spinal injuries couldn't wait, carry, couldn't like climb, couldn't like jog, so. You're as well good. They did offer me a training wing post, and I was like, nah, it's, listen, it's not what I'm here for. Yeah. So, did you find that after the incident, leaving the military, 
mental health thing kicked in. Yeah, so I was diagnosed with an adjustment disorder. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Not that one. Right, so uh, it was a, an adjustment disorder. So they'd put it in terms of you're flying high, your instant happens. So a millisecond, your career's over. My brain couldn't catch up to what had happened. Plus the fact I'd never, so I joined at 16, I'd never lived a life as an adult out, out here. Interesting. So yeah. I used to go, like, when I could walk again, give you a quick example. So adjustment disorder, I'd never been shopping before, like a proper shop and bought myself food. So I was walking around the supermarket and I followed one woman around that everything she bought, I bought. <laughs> I bet she was like putting you up, phoning up the place. There's a bloke following me here. There's a bloke yeah. following me. Um, Nobody ever said to me, this is what you need to have a house shop. Yeah. Do you know so what I mean? feel that like, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with my story, but like when I left the military, obviously I didn't leave. I was an MD and I left. Yeah, yeah. To, to be at home more with the kids, but I definitely still had huge identity crisis. Like in, in you know, I, I definitely uh, identity crisis, and I, and I think like I just didn't have, I didn't realize how difficult it's going to be leaving the military. Like like you, I I had a life though before military. Like I joined at 23, I think something like that. Yeah. But then when I left, I was like, now what? Like, like what? Where do I belong? What's my per- you know? You feel really proud when you're in the military. You got your flash yeah, of marine flashes, and you lid, and you've done what you've done, and you served your country, and then you come out. No one gives a fuck, and, and 100%. like just literally, no one gives a fuck about you or who you are. And, and like, mate, quite rightly so. It's just like you know, everyone's cracking on with their own life. But then you take that person, you're like, you don't, you don't know what I've been through. You fucking yeah. like, do you know what I mean? And then that entitlement does does a, that like. I think I I almost become addicted to self pity and drama yeah. uh, in my own life, and I, I think um, and I think it wasn't until I stopped and took a look in the mirror and accepted that and who who I who who I was becoming, yeah, that I decided to do something about it. I think listen, I can I can uh, I, I'm the exact same as that. That's the way I was. I was just like everybody should feel sorry for me. I've done this. I've done that. Why, why is nobody bound down to me? And like, and I was like, had this self entitlement, which I'd never had before in my life. I know, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a mental thing. So, where are you at today? What, what's happening today? What's different in life? How have you, how has your recovery been since you left the military? Oh, I think we might have lost him slightly. Um, so, um, so, I thought about like the kind of adjustment side yet. Yeah, so it, basically, what I was looking at where you were now, what um, what did the recovery so uh, look like in that respect? Is like how did you how did how did the recovery go, and and like what have you been up to since you left the military? So the recovery, like I said, it was peaks and valleys. It was just like, am I am I going to be all right? Am I like so the mental health side? Yeah, I did a bit of counselling and stuff like that. Uh, the adjustment disorder. I think but they, they thought it was PTSD, but actually it wasn't. It was just more anger at what the situation that had happened, and yeah. so disappointed that that I was like just promoted and I was going somewhere, and then it just all collapsed round about me. And my relationship broke down as well. So the girl that I was with since school, it went just collapsed. Everything went went south. Um, so that was like an adjustment in itself as well. Like, the kids were only young. Aaron, Aaron was what, 
Aaron was five and Poppy was like two. It's like, and they were just young and like, try to explain to them why I was walking about the way I was walking about and why I was so angry and stuff like that. Um, and it took, the anger's probably just stopped recently. Um, what, like literally, like in the last year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do you think that stopped? Um, I think, well, I've met, I'm, I'm married now, so like, I got married in uh, December there and I think uh, the, the girl that I'm, that I'm married to now has just been, she's been like the, I don't know, she's just been the, the catalyst of the rock. Yeah, she's just been everything like everything that I've needed. She's so calm and composed about everything. She's a school teacher, yeah, and she's probably just needs this, the patience of a school teacher to deal with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, like awesome. She just she just gives like so. I would get worried about electricity bills or whatever, like changing suppliers or whatever, and I get it stresses me out. And she's just like, no, this is how we'll do it. And she just makes me see it logical. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. just like flapping about everything. Do you feel like you like, found yourself today? Do you still feel like there's an identity crisis or do you feel like you know what you want more out of life at the minute? No, there's definitely still an identity crisis where you you know what it's like for us guys? We, we want to push on and be the best at everything we do. Yeah. So like, I'm, I, I work in a school now and I, I run me courses for kids with leadership and uh, discipline, confidence, resilience, I do all that kind of stuff, but I'm like, no, I could go higher, I could do more. Do, do you and feel like, like you lead yourself at the minute? Yeah, like, sometimes, like, I'm a very confident person, but sometimes, like, um, like I don't know what, sometimes I like, doubt myself, and, but I, I think, I, through, after my recovery, like, I've, I've, I've pushed myself to say, well, no, don't settle for a second best, you've, you've got so much to offer. Yeah. And I, I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that whatever I do, whatever I've done in my life, I've gave 100% anyway. Whatever I do, I, I'll make sure I'm good at it. Yeah. Um, it. Don't get me wrong. It's like, there's been times where like, I've just been like, what? Oh, I see my mates who are still in the army and like, you know what it's like? And they're like fit and strong and like flying up the ranks and like, it does agitate me at times because I'm like, that could be me. But listen, that is what it is. This is my... This is my story. That's their story. One hundred percent. And there's no point dwelling, right? Because you, because if you went, I think when you, for someone like you and what you've been through, I think when you look at it and you think at how lucky you are still to be alive, um, I think it's huge. Like you realise how lucky you are still to be here talking to me, um, being in that situation probably for that ambush. Is, is incredible like and you gotta and that and that's what that emotional can you, you almost owe it to yourself to make the most of every single day right till to the day you die yeah. making sure that everything every single thing you do is to leave that legacy because in theory you, you've been spared like you know from you it could have gone a lot different like literally millimeters different and you're like yeah i fucking make the most of this like like you like every single day when you doubt yourself like I was given that fucking chance, like, and, and it could yeah. have been taken away just like that. Yeah, I agree with you. Because it was literally, the, they say like, it's a pure cliche thing, but life is about like, a matter of inches and the, the inches you didn't take or the, the, the step you didn't take. And literally for me, if I took like, half a, a centimetre step forward, it could have been a whole lot different. It's gone. It's gone. And you got that gift. And it is realising that gift as well. And, and really getting it to the next level. Um so I want to thank you for coming on. Um, yeah. I think this is a story of like real resilience 
and actually yeah. not the final product either. And I think that's the thing to understand is that it's not, it, it's not your final product. You're not the yeah. final product, but you're constantly working on that final product, right? You should constantly get into that point where you want to yeah. be. Yeah, I'm coming up for 40 next year and, I'm, and I still think, I've still got the mindset that I did when I was like 20, 20 odds with. I yeah. still want to push myself. I still, I'm not the finished product. I don't, I don't know if I ever will be, to be honest. I don't think I ever, I don't think you ever do. And that's something, that's a really interesting statement because my missus always says, you're never happy. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if yeah. you earn this or you achieve this or you achieve that. It still would never be good enough. And I think there is an element of that being a military mindset. Like, I, I like you know, whether it's a perfectionist thing, whether it's a standard or status yeah. thing, I don't know. But the minute I don't start saying that is the minute that I'm really going to start worrying. Yeah. Yeah, and like I always want to do better, and I always I push my I feel sorry for my kids actually because like I expect them to be this thing. I, I expect to let so I, I'm my boy at football, and I'm like the performance level. I expect so much of him because I no matter what I always say to him, whatever you do in life, give a hundred percent. That what that way nobody can ever come to you and say, do you know what? You never give your best there because there's no bigger insult than somebody saying you never tried. Well, that's your legacy, right? And and I look yeah. at that and I. I've had to manage that as a parent with having such high standard, like being doing the Royal Marine training, doing the sniper training, yeah. doing the physical, like, you know, those standards are at the highest level of excellence, like in the world, like not just yeah. like, like in the world. And I have to be really careful about managing those expectations on the kids and my yeah. clients because they're not fucking Royal Marine commander snipers or fucking yeah, of course. physical trainers. And it's really managing that. It makes a real difference. But the legacy is going, do what you want to do. Make sure that you do stuff that makes you happy. Make sure you like, and yeah. it's things like lead yourself. Don't and ever allow life to lead you. You lead your life. And I think, yeah, I agree. I agree. And just like give it everything you've got. You've never, like, my kids obviously know my story. And like I always say to them, they're a bit bored right now, right now. If they're just like, Dad, no, again. But, um, <laughs> as you crack open like, a beer on a Friday night did I ever yeah, tell you when I was in Africa yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now that story's more often then but there's so many stories there's so many lessons within the story yeah and I'm like yeah. always give everything you've got no matter what yeah just leave it out, all out the pitch leave it whatever you do just give it everything you've got because I'm, I'm very critical of myself and that and I'm critical of them, and I don't want people to be critical of them. Only I can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, interesting, I've been doing some work on self-criticism recently, and there's always two, like, self-criticism is great. Like, it's really good to be self-critical yeah. of ourselves. But the next step, there's two different steps. One's going to lead you down the path of pity. The other one's going to help you thrive. And it's like, don't feel fucking sorry for yourself because you're shit, yeah. or you're not yeah. showing up, or you're not doing it right. Like, use it as fuel to get to that yeah. next level. And that's the path that I'm trying to get. Yeah. And that's where I do think sometimes, sometimes I think we become addicted and our social world at the minute with social media and everything almost expects us to feel sorry for ourselves and becomes a yeah. drama. And, and, and we've got to like, we've got to turn it around and go, no, we're going to use that as fire. Like um, I'm yeah. not showing up as a dad or a husband. So yeah. you inspired to fucking show up and be a husband. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I see it all the time in the school with the kids. I'm like, I could obviously leave in the military, come out, like I was away for years and then come out and I, I hope these kids lack, they lack the leadership, they lack the vision, they lack the determination because everything's there for them. And I've, I, I try to put it to them like, you've got to go out there and because nobody's going to give a shit about you and you're out in the real world. People just be getting on their lives. 
you need to get your stall set out yeah. and be prepared yeah, for whatever life has, has ready for you and you need to be ready to deal with that. 100%. Great advice. And obviously, great story as well, um, Mike. Yes. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, if I was to ask you um, what if to give one piece of advice, if you was to pass on one piece of advice based on your experience, what would yeah. you pass on if we were in a group of in a room with a group of men and I brought you in, I said, just give me one piece of advice to give to these men, what would it be? Never give in. Love it. Never give in because there's times like I'm not saying that I, I had the perfect recovery and I was like all singing, all dancing. I was there's times I let myself down drinking and stuff like that, and that was self-medicating. But at no point did I ever say the party's over and that's it, I'm giving in. 100%. I always, always pushed on and like, regardless, I always put in the extra 10% that I needed to, to get the job done. Always, And that's probably the military that's put that mindset in me. I had a wee bit of determination myself, but they, they plugged into it and made me find it even more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Never, never give in is it that if, if you've always got, and you said earlier on, like, you're always in the fight. If, as long as you're still breathing, as long as you're still moving forward, you're in the fight. I think I put that post up last night, actually. I think I've put, I recognise that you were breathing. Yeah. Oh, so you you still got a chance. Yeah. So 100%. Yeah, of 100%. It's never over to yeah. us. But, mate, thank you for being on. I'm going to stop this recording now and talk to you after. Right. Thank you so much. If you've been listening, please let us know what you thought of this podcast. Um, and also, if you haven't, please just give it a rating. We're just trying to boost it up to help a lot of blokes. And, and I know there's women here as well. We're starting to help some women in background as well. So let us know what you thought.